0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of the SBK betting podcast and as the sun gleams down on the UK, the sun also shines on this podcast as we record off the back of another scintillating weekend of winning selections, uh, not least from SBK's very own Tom Collins, uh, another winning nap and next best which makes it five winners over the course of three weekends. So TC in sparkling form as he joins us from his island off the Bahamas, cocktail in hand. (laughs) I assume, oh, what, what? (laughs) SBK Studio still, how dedicated is this man to his job? Working away to find more winning tips for us. I love it. I love it, TC.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wish I was on an island with a cocktail in hand, I have to say. Uh, Not a Tom Collins cocktail because they are disgusting. But um, look, back to the day job, back to grinding out those winners. I'm really looking forward to this weekend.
0: Yeah, look, um, you you deserve your own cocktail named after you after the last run of form. So let's see if we can keep it up. Of course, Ross is with us as well. But look, uh, TC must say, all seriousness, you were bang on remodden games. That must have been really satisfying. And then seeing your Nat Montesib winning well at 6-4 to as well. But just all credit to that. You laid out a very clear case on why that race in America wasn't something that we should be dismissing as a flop. It was actually just tactics and it all went according to plan in the lockage
1: it did I, to be honest i thought he was going to be beaten uh, around two furlongs out because he looked hard under the pump while the others were traveling better to his outside but modern games really kicked in overdrive late on yes i think too much was made about that run in the maker's mile mm-hmm. over at Keenland, but there was late money for him on the exchange he did go off favorite so i think people came around to the idea that modern games was the horse to beat and he proved them right
0: they were listening to this podcast, obviously.
1: Of course. Of course. Who wouldn't? We, could, course. we keep putting up winners. Why wouldn't you listen to this I podcast? I know, I know.
0: You listen and you and you deserve to listen and then get the, the results. So well done to the listeners as well. But thanks to TC. Um, I was really pleased to see Shinder um, coming home in second after trying to bite Modern Games when he went past him. 22 to 1. So that was the forecast for the pod. And also La Garida uh, finished third at 13 to 2. She actually runs on, on Saturday again. She's backing up quite quickly um, at Goodwood. So i um, interested to see how she gets on um, after running quite an encouraging race first time out. But there are six flat meetings this Saturday, two jumps meetings, um, more of that a bit later maybe from Ross. But um, it is the Irish Guineas weekend, which we will cover. But we're going to focus on first um, the Group 3 Sandy Lane stakes at Haydock on Saturday. Over six furlongs for the three-year-olds, where um, we've got a, a very interesting lineup of runners. Uh, Little Big Bear comes back to sprinting trips from after that dismal, disappointing run in the one in the two thousand guineas. We did finish lame, um, but he definitely underperformed um he's got frankie tutorial on board which is uh, a big jockey booking and um, we know that man wants to win the july cup so potentially if he does a good job here that might be where that the, they'll be rooting um brad sells in there who was um the um, royal ascot winner last year his second run of this new year along with cold case looking to reverse the form from the commonwealth cup trial Al Dazim, matilda picot who's quite interested coming in off her third in the 1000 guineas and uh, the field makes is it's an eight runner field which is a good betting heat um ross i'll start with you first because little big bear you were strong on him for the phoenix stakes you love this horse as a two-year-old are you pleased to see him back to this kind of trip uh
2: just pleased to see him back to be honest just because when they they report they finished lame, you know having missed the back end of last season from a from a small injury you sort of fear that fear the worst and it would undoubtedly be a, a poorer flat season if he wasn't around um yeah, yeah. but yeah excited to see him excited to see him back over this trip and I, I still not discounting the fact he'll stay further but I think now the the guineas is gone there's there's no real need to, to stretch him out so Um, this looks like it will be his trip for the foreseeable future. I think it's just really straightforward. It's a six furlong sprint. A sprint, you want the fastest horse. He is the fastest horse by some distance. I know that Bradsell perhaps had excuses when they met in the Phoenix Stakes, but he was eight lengths behind. Um, Little Big Bear wasn't fully extended to win on that occasion. Bradsell, to me, at Ascot, didn't look like he'd done a whole lot over the winter um i i would be surprised if he's going to step forward an awful lot from his two-year-old form i think he's got a chance of reversing the form with cold case from from that commonwealth cup trial because i think he might bradson himself might end up back over five films so just looked like the six that ascot perhaps stretched him on his first start this like the easier track might suit him and i'm not sure to suit cold case as much but i think Little big bear wins this i i, I think if he'd have come straight here without the poor run in the guineas but i mean i think if you get kicked in the back of the leg i think you can mm. take a pass on that one um if he came here straight you know for his first start he'd be odds on i think um i'm quite happy to to forgive that first run um i think he'll win comfortably maybe Aldazim of uh, george bowies is the is is the interesting one highly progressive in Maidan, didn't do anywhere near as much as most of these as a two-year-old went to Maidan, won his first three including a group three was unlucky and, and perhaps didn't get the best ride. When disappointing, the group one has come back, will have been freshened up. Uh, he could be interested at, at a bigger price, but I also wonder whether this might just be a springboard onto to better things later in the season for a pretty shrewd operation.
0: So nine to four, which you could, you could get for little big bear. Do you think that's a, a good value for a horse who showed to be the best in this division as a two-year-old, or would? And one of my concerns is that. He had an issue after the Phoenix Stakes. He was lame after the back of the Guineas. There could be a bit of fragility there. There's a slight hanging concern over over that that point in my mind.
2: Yeah, possibly. But I think if he didn't have those, he'd be odds on. I think they're two separate issues, as I understand. It was a a muscle um, strain and the fact he pulled a shoe off and they lost part of his hoof after the Phoenix Stakes. Um, yeah. and as I understand it in in uh, newmark he just got struck into it, and that's sort of a, a cut injury that needs needs repairing the bigger concern for me would be how much time as he as he missed to come to this but at the same time an operation uh, such a rise are not going to stick him on the on the plane i assume it will be this time having had to be the very the last time um stick him on a plane come over um yeah I, I just think there's he's got everything going for him and you're really trying to find holes in him and um, if you're trying to get him beat, I think.
0: Okay, yeah, it's it's very important sort of moment in time for the Door operation, isn't it? Like really trying to sort out their three-year-olds. Like, is this gonna be a, a ten sovereign style horse that's gonna be a dominate the sprinting divisions? What is happening to all their three year olds? August Rodin's gonna prove himself in the derby next week. Can we believe that, that the Guineas was a non-event and these are real, really magical horses? Or they've got to prove themselves now. T C do you think it's that that straightforward for Little Big Bear? Like the competition there is it's it's healthy, it's good. Cold case look, for me he looks like the really straightforward one he's had no issues he's grown Colbert said he wasn't even 100% there going to Ascot, but for some reason he's below in terms of from a Betty perspective Bradsell who we beat a little big bear who has got a few questions to answer
1: yeah so I think there are interesting horses in the race I mean cold case as you've already touched on there is the solid option his main asset is, is stamina over this trip and he was really good last time at Ascot I think he's going to be there or thereabouts you can pretty much bank on that Bradsell travelled better than him at Ascot, but then didn't hit the line as powerfully. Ross said that um, Ascot's stiff track might have been the reason. And I agree with that, as well as the fact he probably wasn't 100%. I think those two will finish virtually next to each other. Um, And Aldassim is very interesting coming back against uh, his own age group on UK soil. But I just couldn't get away from Little Big Bear. I really couldn't. Hey, no, Brian's sizable cult was the clear standout of these. As a two-year-old, he bolted up in the Windsor Castle. He bolted up in the Anglesey. And that victory... In the phoenix Stakes, no horse in here could run anything like that he earned a a speed figure that was uh one of the best two-year-old speed figures from a sprinting perspective that we've seen in a number of years and an official rating of one two four no horse is close to 124 now you do have to put a line through the guineas form as we've already touched on Mm -hmm. but i think that's quite easy to do Sometimes things just don't go right for horses. He had clear excuses. It's not like we're making up a reason here. There was early scrimmaging. He got struck into. He probably didn't want the soft ground anyway. He probably doesn't want the mile. I I believe he will stay it, but he was a star sprinter last year. If he returns to his uh, two-year-old form, especially that Phoenix Stakes victory, Nine to four would be incredible value in this race.
0: And don't forget, he, he was well not he was backed, wasn't he, in the Guineas? Like they they definitely fancied him. And there was a point where we thought, is Frankie going? Um, excuse me, is Ryan going to choose a little big bear over Augusta Reddin? I think it was quite a close call. So. Um, I think they've got a lot of faith in this horse. It's not the fact that he hasn't trained on or, or whatever it is. You know, they have to go for classics to see um, who might be able to be able to stretch out their, their stamina. Um, okay, it seems like a very confident vote um, from TC and Ross for Little Big Bear. I just think that the straightforward one, as I've said all along, is cold case. Um, I like what he did in, uh, at Ascot. I, just watching that race, you can see the size of Brad Syle. He's not grown into a proper three-year-old Whereas Case really has. He's a horse that Carl Burke's always rated very highly. His horses are going very nicely. And I just think at the prices, um, he just represents a little bit more value at around four to one. So I'm willing just to side with him, um, but a little big bear. I wouldn't be surprised if he struts his stuff and shows what he's really made of um, in this uh, Sandy Lane stake. So Frankie Torrey's on board, as we mentioned. That's because Ryan Moore and a lot of the other number one jockeys from Ballydoyle are going to be at the Curra for the Irish 2000 guineas and uh, it's guineas weekend it's the irish 1000 guineas as well on the sunday but we've got our decks out for the 2000 guineas and a late supplementary of royal scotsman third in um the Newmarket 2000 guineas for paul and oliver cole comes into this race now with jamie spencer on board we uh, remember that he won this race on phoenix spain all those years ago we've got high royal who's second in the race um much shorter price than he was when he was second at 125 to 1 um and then we've got some Aiden O an Aiden O'Brien runner in Paddington, um, who's a bit of a dark horse. Really, we don't know what his limits are, whether he's definitely a miler. Is my uh, question around him? Proud and Regal for Donico O'Brien, Galleron for Charlie Hills, um, Cairo for Aiden O'Brien as well. There's a Ross. I'll, I'll come back to you first. There's a, a good, healthy blend of of Irish and UK runners, and it's no foregone conclusion for the Aiden O'Brien types. Again, I'm not sure how. How good or strong they are, um, and I'm not surprised to see Ross Scotsman at the top of the of the betting list here.
2: No, I mean you take him out of it, and it's a, a really poor affair, isn't it? On on what they've done so far, albeit they're they're three year olds. You know, a lot of them have got uh, pedigrees that suggest they should be progressive. But I, you know, you know, I I try really hard not to just bob up favourites. Consistently, But I, I just think Raw Scotsman is really hard to get away from here. Um, what he did in the guineas, I think he was the second best horse in the guineas. I, th- I don't think you can say that Chaldean was anything but a deserving winner. But he was far too keen out the gate. Jim Crowley, I think, was really unfortunate. And he made a, a number of decisions. And you could see that he was making them for absolutely the right reason. And they, every single one of them just backfired. Um, he tried to jump out and get handy and get a nice position. The horse was very keen. So he tried to come in behind get a bit of cover, and the one in front sort of took a pull, and he got caught on heels, got bumped around. Mm-hmm. Royal Scotsman, I watched it back this morning, he pulled far too hard for at least three, maybe four furlongs, and he was still one of only two, the winner included, that finished his race off. I thought it was a massive run. I think he's going to be better on this ground. I think Jamie Spencer is a is a good booking, not to take away from, from Jim Crowley, but if you can't get Jim Crowley, Jamie mm-hmm. Spencer, I think, has got... As much chance of anyone of settling this horse. I expect him to, to drop out. It's a slightly smaller field than a new market. I think better ground is going to suit. There's a slight concern that this is an afterthought in that he was supplemented uh, on Monday. I'm never a massive fan of, of, of horses with that. So that was sort of the the starting point for me was, right, this is an afterthought. How do I get him beat? But the more I looked, I, I just couldn't. I think Paddington is... By Sayuni, out of a mare who, who definitely wanted uh, softer ground. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. probably a, a 10 furlong horse in the making as well. I think Cairo wants further. Ace of Kings from Maiden O'Brien just doesn't look good enough. Uh, and Proud of Regal from Donogh O'Brien has, has already shown that he's got the stamina for 10 furlongs. I just think mm-hmm. on a fairly quick test on good ground, Royal Scotsman's got everything going for him, other than they obviously haven't had this... At the front of their mind, I mean, it might well have been they've just made a plan. I think to go to Ascot, and then he's been such so well. And I think they said he, he worked particularly well at, on Monday morning. Um, mm. so yeah, it's hard to get away from. I think really,
0: I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. Still-
2: actually, the first three were from the from the from the Guineas: uh, Royal Scotsman, High Royal, and, and Galleron. I think Galleron mm. is you know a decent yardstick, and I and I just wonder that the Irish going to be quick enough.
0: Yeah, they, the Coles probably saw the lineup of horses and thought, oof, we, we, could, we could win that. And um, you touched on High Royal, because um, you've gone through a lot of them. Do you, what do you make of that? Do you think he was flattered, or do you think he's just a talented horse and we haven't seen the best of him?
2: No, I think, he, I think he's a talented horse. Um, I just think he probably, alongside the winner, got the best ride in the race. Uh, I thought Oshia Murphy rode all his fractions perfectly, made use of what he had. Um, And, you know, in hindsight, by virtue of being ridden prominently, you avoided a lot of the scrimmaging that affected a number of them in behind. Um, I would be confident that Royal Scotsman is is a significantly better horse than High Royal over this trip on good ground.
0: Yeah, Oshin Murphy retains the ride with so many race meetings over the course of the weekend especially rides for his boss Andrew Balding I thought that was very interesting um that he's uh he's over there um you know how hungry he is for, for classic winners and already achieving it with Morge um yeah I thought I think that's I completely agree with Ross I think Royal Scotsman is the best horse in this race I can't I can't really get too excited by by the others um you know they weren't good enough for the uk guineas for the for the um bali dual team and some of them are are very unexposed The uh, jessica harrington horse kasha mars a mate a winning maiden um patchy enough form always are we missing something here tc
1: i don't think so um I'm going to put up a horse that's not Royal Scotsman, though I do believe Royal Scotsman is the horse to beat. He's undoubtedly the horse to beat, in fact. He ran the best race in the Guineas. There's no point in me going through exactly what Ross and yourself have said, but he should reverse the form with High Royal. Um, I like the booking of Jamie Spencer. The only two negatives, or maybe not even negatives, but slight downsides or worries I have about Royal Scotsman. One, I don't love the draw. You tend to want to be drawn lower um, at this track. If you look back in the last 10 years, uh, stores one to four have dominated, much like higher draws have dominated in the Sandy Lane, by the way. Uh, Little Big Bear is drawn seven of eight in that. I, I forgot to cover that at the time. So he's drawn a stall seven, which is slightly further out. But if Jamie Spencer is going to hold him up and go right to the back of the pack, then he should be able to get a nice toe towards the far side route anyway. And the only other thing I don't love is his price because he's nine to four. It is an afterthought. I think there are a couple of maybe flies in the ointment in here. Um, And I'd rather find one value price because I'm taking the short price on little big bear. So I'm going to go with Aidan O'Brien because he's got such a good record in the race. and I think the value lies with Cairo, not Paddington, uh, the mount of Wayne Lorden rather than Ryan Moore. Now, when I watched the, the races back from Paddington, I thought he just didn't bother stretching out. The horse is right right? He doesn't stick his neck out. He doesn't look like he's really giving 100%. And he also likes soft ground, as you've touched on. So I'm quite surprised that Ryan's chosen Paddington. He also has to improve a great deal on what he's shown so far to even be competitive in this race. We're looking a stone. Um, on official ratings to get competitive with Royal Scotsman. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cairo showed a good level of form at two from a range of trips. He finished second over six furlongs first time up, so it does have speed. Uh, and then he won over a mile, uh, won over seven furlongs, sorry. Um, and then this season when he came back at Dundalk, he won over a mile, stayed the trip nicely. And then he went to Maydan. And quite clearly did not handle the dirt track there. Hated the kickback. Didn't perform as many anticipated as he was sent off market leader. Mm-hmm. I'll put a line through that. Much like we put a line through Little Big Bear's running the guineas. Cairo would be second or third favorite in this race. He'd come into the race with a, a real good CV. Uh, highly consistent performances. Ryan Moore would probably be riding. So I don't understand why he's 12 to 1. I'll take Cairo each way. Though I do understand that Royal Scotsman is the horse to beat.
0: Yeah, He's got all that. Dirt pedigree doesn't he he's got he's got by out by a dirt sire he, they probably were testing it see if they could be creative it, with him
1: exactly they were probably testing to see if he was uh, like Mendelssohn a few years back and he could go over to the US but he just yeah. hated the kickback it's different from horse to horse isn't it and if you swallow a load of dirt when you're running you know yes this is not going to be it's not going uh, yeah. to see a horse achieve their peak performance Mendelssohn what was so good about him five, six, seven years ago, whenever he ran uh, in the Kentucky Derby and whatnot in the U.S., was that he had that early speed that many horses over here don't have. Mm -hmm. So he could get out into a nice rhythm, into some clear air, and perform as his pedigree suggests he should on dirt. Cairo doesn't have that early speed from the outset, and he found himself right in the middle of the pack and just got so much kickback. I think you could just put a line through that. And on turf form and that Dundalk effort, he's probably a player in here
0: and he's 14-1. to one. It's, a, it's, exactly. an, it's an open enough uh, betting race. Royal Scotsman, yeah, they want to, they always said, um, Paul Cole said to me, cover, cover, cover. That is what Royal Scotsman needs. But I did know, I made note of that draw um, angle as well. Three of the last four winners come out of draw one. Um, Siskin was out of two. So uh, Royal Scotsman, who was drawn on the wrong side in the 2000 guineas at Newmarket. Not, I wasn't that sure if seven was the right or the wrong place either, but doesn't seem like the ideal position but um let's hope it's not too much of a bias like it was in uh new market um okay we've gone we've spun through the irish 2000 guineas and the sandy lane at haydock um what we all want to hear is the naps and the next best as they were so fruitful and they have been over the last few weeks um as mentioned there's so much racing over um the course of of Saturday and also Sunday, uh, and there's also a bit of jumps um, as well. And I know Ross has got something to tell us from a stat perspective. He's shaking his well, head at me. We're,
2: we're going to keep it back, Jess. We're going to keep it back. Tune in in a couple of weeks.
0: Okay. Well, is he? Uh, maybe you're not even jumping this weekend either. What? 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 what are you doing for us?
2: No, I'm I, I'm sticking to the to the mo. I'm not doing a Tom Collins through the winter where I dive over to the all weather. I'm sticking. <laughs> Sticking to Don't to pretend
0: TV. Don't pretend you're doing it just because you want to be that person. You're doing it because you actually enjoy it. We know.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I, am, I am sticking to the flat with, with both nap and next best. Uh, the nap uh, is at five o'clock at York, uh, the Ed Bethel train, Yorkshire. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks back um, that I spoke to Ed Bethel at the back end of last year and asked for a couple of two-year-olds that he was yet to run, that he was excited about. He mentioned James McHenry, who, who did us a good turn uh, two weeks ago. And he mentioned this horse, and he said he was very excited to see him out as a two-year-old. But whatever he did as a two-year-old, he would step forward as a three-year-old because he was trying to buy three-year-old types at this stage of his training career. Um, Yorkshire came out and made a really pleasing debut over three at uh, six furlongs when finishing third at Haydock, got hampered early, finished really well, then won over six furlongs at Haydock, uh, had a winter off, came back, made a pleasing return over six at Southall where he got up in the dying strides over six uh, and was then really unlucky, I thought, last time to, to get chinned on the line uh, at Southern by Mr. Jeb. I think he's got a mark of 87 now. I think back on turf, he's got loads of upside. Ed Bethel's going along really nicely. Um, I think he brings his horses through quietly. I'd be massively surprised at the end of the year, Yorkshire isn't Rated higher than 87. Now, whether it's this weekend, I, I, I hope it is. I think um, Yorkshire going to York can't can't ignore that line. Um, didn't look a deep race in my mind, and I think off bottom weight, he's got a great chance. Then the next best is also another three-year-old who caught my eye as a two-year-old last year. The Paul and Oliver Cole-trained Wyoming, who runs in the 420 at, at Goodwood, um, she was really impressive as, as a two-year-old. Um, one on uh, on uh, debut at Windsor, um, and then chased home the 95-rated uh, Cristellium um, at Newbury. Uh, that was a really impressive run. Went back to Newbury, and I think the, the soft ground there just bogged it down. It was right at the end of the year, and with Phillies in particular, I'm always keen to give them a, a, a pass if they perform badly because they can be changing in their coat. The, the cold weather can get to them a bit more than the, the Colts. Um, Cristellium was rated 95, um, and it has got a decent level of form. I think it's really notable that they step her up here off bottom weight up to a mile four straight away. Uh, the dam uh, didn't do anything until she went over this trip. So Wyoming is already ahead of her. She's by motivator, suggests she wants a trip as well. It's a, it's a full stamina pedigree. Um, and I just think she's going to take all the meeting.
0: Okay, two um, very comprehensive um, cases for the nap and the next best um, Yorkshire. Remember seeing him as big, phys- physical-looking, imposing sort. So um, yeah, it looks like that, that classic um, uh, better as a three-year-old type for Bethel, yeah, who is flying. Um, thanks for that, Ross. Um, as you continue to adore the flat um, over this uh, over this summer period, TC, um, uh, the man of the moment, take it away.
1: Yeah, so you said there's lots of racing this weekend, and obviously there is. I just found it difficult to find a couple of real proper bets. Like last week, the NAP Montessib I was super confident about. and I couldn't believe the opening price. But this week, my two selections are both uh, horses that have shown promise in recent starts. I'm not going to say they're ridiculously confident, but you know I'll give them out as a NAP and next best anyway. Uh, my NAP comes in the 220 at Chester. It's a seven and a half furlong novice event. There are no prices as of yet, uh, but from what I can tell, it's going to be a match between William Haggis's debut winner, Orchid Bloom, uh, and the Andrew Balding trained Al Sakib. And it's the latter who's my pick in the race. I think he'll probably open second favourite behind the Haggis trainee. Um, it'll be interesting to see what price, because he could become a, a proper bet in here. Um, Al-Sakib is a a son of Kingman, and he's a half-sibling of three group winners, one in Australia, one in the US, and one in the UK, which was Nialetti, who was a super uh, talented and game and gutsy performer for Mark Johnson. So he's bred to be really good. Um, Al-Sakib showed uh, plenty of ability on his debut. He was sent off favourite at Kempton for that, which I think is notable, given Andrew Bourdin doesn't have an amazing strike rate with first-time outrunners. Um, He showed good gate speed to bounce out from stall three, grab the rail, sit prominently. The race was won by an Archie Watson trainee called O Knight, who had already won before and had two previous starts, so had the the uh, benefit of experience, which Al Sakib didn't have. But all the way to the line, Al Sakib was making ground up on O Knight, and that form was given a boost by the fourth winning since. And Al Sakib was two and a half lengths clear of the third, who was further clear of the fourth. So it looked a pretty good race, and I thought Al Sakib ran a very nice uh, debut there. Now he's definitely going to stay this slightly longer trip. There's no doubt about that on pedigree. And I really think Chester will suit, given he, he looks a well-balanced and agile type. He's drawn in store four, which is ideal, three places inside uh, the other likely market protagonist, Orchid Bloom. And Andrew Borden has an excellent record with three odds at Chester, 22% in his career. So Alsa Kib will be the nap in the 220. And the next best, I'm heading to Salisbury on Saturday. So I looked at the Salisbury card in depth. Um, and the 7.40 stands out, a horse called Climate Precedent. Now, this homebred gelding showed promise in three novice runs last year. Didn't win in any of them, but made good middle moves before flatting out. He just looked a rather weak individual. But he did finish fifth in a good race, uh, won by the highly talented and 101 rated King of Steel at Nottingham. And he was heavily punted on his comeback after a gelding operation, after a winter break, uh, when he ran in two handicaps. Made nice moves again in both of those races. First time up didn't seem like he stayed the mile three furlongs first off the layoff. Um, at Southall. And then the time after that, he just got out-battled in a real duel to the line by a John and Thady Gosden trainee. And the pair drew miles clear. They dropped him back to a mile when last seen in a race that developed into a sprint. Two things that probably went against him. He doesn't want a mile and he doesn't want a race to turn into a sprint. So he ran very well um, given he finished fifth that day and wasn't beaten too far. And I think the winner in the second, Totnes, and I can't remember the horse who finished his second name, but I think they're both pretty decent. The step back up to mile two should definitely help his cause. Billy Locknane's been booked. That's a huge positive, as everyone already knows. And Michael Bell has a 23% striker with three rods at Salisbury in the last five years. So climate precedent in the 740 will be my next best.
0: Okay, brilliant. Um, and enjoy Salisbury. Hopefully it's nice sunny for Thank you. you. Um, as, uh, as, as I mentioned, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of racing. There's just lots of interesting horses I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing out again. And I said last week that... Um, I wasn't going to put up another two-year-old unless they were at one, and I'm not going to, but La Garida, who I did put up, is running again this weekend, which I think is well worth watching. Also, The Line, who was uh, quite an eye-catching horse of Richard Hannan's runs at York on Saturday. Ross is nodding, that's a relief. Um, so just so, just two to note from the juveniles' um, sections, but I'm not going to go for for them. I'm going to go for um, a couple of others at Goodwood. Now, I was fortunate enough to go to James Horton's yard um 10 days ago, I think it was, um, to go and uh, catch up with the team and see what was going on. Um, and they didn't really know then, but now they do know more now. They're able to run the horses under um, a new new name. It's under the stud that is uh, connected to John and Jess Dance. But... Beside the point, they have some fantastically exciting horses. So regardless of what's going on, their horses are well worth watching. And they're going to send out plenty of them over the course of the weekend. Um, that first run is since the end of April. They might be very fresh, um, but they look sparkling. And the one horse that James Wharton was most exciting about, excited about seeing was Phantom Flight, um, who's a real favourite and a yard flag bearer. Um, you'll remember that he won... At the Eball Festival, the final race of the E Ebol festival, and we bolted up and beat Spirit Dancer. And his return run at uh, in the Magnolia States, where he was third to Fox's Tales. Um, he said he was a bit unlucky. I'm not sure if he was really, but I think it wasn't um I think it was a good starting point for this horse. He does come up against Francesco Clemente, who oh, he's unbeaten for John and Thady Gosden. He looks like an absolute freak, but I think he might have been a bit flattered winning that Newmarket handicap beating a horse called Miramachi who I think has been beaten about seven times since that race and um, so I'm happy to I'm happy to take that on and I'm, I'm excited to see Phantom Flight for that James Horton Yard um he'd be um he'd be my one of my selections for the weekend along with Harry Brown in the 455 at Goodwood a horse that I followed throughout the winter months for Dave Simcock where Dave Simcock had a bit of a he bet a bit of a purple patch over the over at Linkfield and the likes and. I'd imagine um, TC would have noticed it as well. He had some nice horses running out um I haven't seen this horse since February and um, his form's working out all right um I don't think it's the deepest of, of handicaps at Goodwood he does have to shoulder top weight um Hayley Turner's back on board again um but I like the son of Harry Angel um and I think the connections think that he's he could be better than than this rating and there could be a little bit more room for improvement so um Harry Brown and Phantom Flight on a busy weekend across the country and over in Ireland as well so as always I hope you've enjoyed the podcast I hope you've a few more uh, winning naps and next best for you um, as uh, TC continues to study hard after what's been a, a wonderful few uh, few weeks. Um, a reminder that new SBK customers can get thirty pounds and free bets by betting ten pounds, so enough in the bank in the pocket to um, to spend on some of the tips that we've gone thrown out for the weekend. TC's always apply. We are getting closer. Royal Ascot and we will have a Royal Ascot preview coming up so make sure you subscribe to all of our um, to our podcast channel um, but make sure that you get onto YouTube as well um, as we've got loads of content there um, especially from some of our ambassadors and likes of George Bowie and that is not to be missed based on what we've been seeing recently especially that freak of a two-year-old that went out and won on Sunday so um, plenty more for you to read and to watch thank you to TC and to Ross and we'll see you next week.